The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, and we are here, yes, for our week one game by game preview. And that means I have to have the rest of the crew with me Hayden Winks, John Daigle, and Patrick Darty. Gentlemen, how are we? Very good. It's weird. You know, uh, I don't think I've ever been more ready, more ready for new data than I am <laughs> uh, this year. Like, I need I- it really, really badly. I thought you were going to say more ready for a single game because we have <laughs> literally prepared three months for this weekend because nothing has changed th- since then, right, Hayden? Yeah, definitely. It's just like what Rotopad just said, like, give me just week one data. Like, I, I need to know some some snaps, <laughs> at least some snap counts here. Yeah, was no this data the first... hurting me. I can only imagine how it's hurting Hayden. Uh, was this the first year, Josh, that we carried out and you personally carried out the podcast, like full length weekly episodes every single offseason month? Yeah, I mean, we did two per week. I actually counted this out, uh, and not to hate my life, but I have done over 150 straight episodes of this podcast without missing one. So that kind of puts into perspective what these last few months have done for me. Thanks for pointing that out. We make our own beds. You're like begging for gallstones or something now by saying that out loud. I, I will say, Pat, kidney stones are the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. And if one strikes me during this time, then that will end my Cal Ripken light streak. So I don't know what's better to, you know, take a, a break and miss the podcast or have kidney stones. I, I, I might I might take that. Maybe even having a child, Pat. Probably should have. I don't know. Like social services are going to get involved. Like uh, I, he can't stop podcasting two days after his baby was born. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I just, I don't know about you guys. I'm just ready here to talk for 90 minutes about DeAndre Hopkins and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. That's all, right. all I want to do. Well, we are going to preview all 15 Sunday and Monday contests. Gentlemen, let's start off with the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. Seattle, just two point on the road, Hayden. A little bit surprising. I would expect a Seahawks team who obviously has been consistent for very long versus an inconsistent Falcons team to be a little more favored in this contest. I think this might be the best Sunday game for fantasy purposes. I think that there's a good chance that this might go over. The total right now is at 48 and a half. And like you said, I think that the Seahawks are ready ready to go and tear apart an Atlanta defense that's kind of been struggling the last couple of seasons. They didn't really add any pieces this year that uh, makes me believe that's going to be any different this year. And I think Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, both top 20 options this year. And I even think Chris Carson is probably going overlooked a little bit just because – um, he kind of had a quiet offseason, missed some time in training camp, but 
he should be ready to go as well. I was a little surprised by the line, but I mean, maybe it's just people in the narrative street with like road Seahawks where we know hmm. uh, things tend to get very weird with the Seahawks on the road, I guess, even in the fanless season. Uh, but yeah, that was my initial reaction to this too, Josh, right? The Falcons are just a strange team this year because Matt Ryan did not look the same after the high ankle sprain last year. Uh, the offensive line is atrocious. So that's like a big early season like storyline to follow for the Falcons. Is like, can the offensive line actually keep Matt Ryan upright? Because he was basically immobile uh, after the the ankle injury last year. The good news for this game is that you know exactly who to start. The target yep. trees for both tween teams are dwindled down, and there's still some there's still some value in DFS and betting on the Seahawks offense in particular because we could see Russ Cook. And by that, remember the Seahawks averaged the fourth most yards per attempt through the air in the fourth quarter last year, despite in the first half on early downs running the ball at the league's sixth highest rate. It's what Rust asked for. Schottenheimer has hinted towards it throughout this offseason, and I really do believe uh, the Seahawks offense could just explode. That's the big question, right? Do we get Brian Schottenheimer opening up this offense in positive and neutral game scripts? And Hayden, like we alluded to, the line points to this being neutral game scripts and most likely positive. And are the Seahawks just going to regress back into what they've always done and just running the football in those scenarios? But we also have two major debuts, right? We have the Jamal Adams debut on the defensive side for Seattle, and we have a Todd Gurley debut for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, it's impossible to know what we get of Todd Gurley if he magically has found the fountain of youth and looks different than he did last year. But I would also say for fantasy purposes, if he can just stay healthy, he's going to get 75% of this workload. He's going to be a productive player, maybe not an explosive special player, but just productive if healthy is what we'll get from Gurley. And if there is a spot that that's a weakness for the Seattle defense, it's definitely in the front seven. They were 30th in adjusted sack rate last season. They lost Jadavian Clowney. They didn't really replace him with anybody. So uh, Todd Gurley might might have some sneaky value. It's definitely like an RB2 just based off of the volume alone. But I think that this just means that there's no pass rush. That's just going to set up Matt Ryan to drop back, hit Calvin Ridley, hit uh, Julio Jones, of course, and maybe even sprinkle in Hayden Hurst, who's going to be going up against – uh, probably one of the best uh, safety duos in the league with Jamal Adams and Quandry Diggs. One more thing to watch in this game is this Chris Carson. They've claimed he's fully healthy off the hip injury, but if Chris Carson's actually ready for his full workload and mm. maybe Carlos Hyde is going to once again uh, ruin fantasy lives. And I would say Hayden Hurst tied in one due to game script. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how easily he can fill the shoes of Austin Hooper who saw massive volume at that position last year. All right, let's move on over to Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Seven and a half point favorites, the Baltimore Ravens are. Pat, I feel like we know everything we need to know about the Ravens. I mean, despite how good this team was, they didn't lose a single coordinator. They barely lost any you know, players on either side of the ball. Obviously, recently we saw that with Earl Thomas. On the other hand, Pat, there's some massive turnover with the Cleveland Browns, who you know was the darling of the NFL landscape entering 2019, and look how that turned out. Yeah, it's really hard to know what to expect because I've said multiple times over the summer, we, we think we know what kind of game plan Kevin Stefanski is going to have. It's going to be very similar to the Vikings, run heavy, play action based, maybe some two tight end action. But I still I wasn't sure where Kevin Stefanski ended and Gary Kubiak began in Minnesota. So a little bit of a wild card, I feel like, with how this Browns offense will be run. I, mean, I definitely think they're set up to clone the Vikings offense. Another thing uh, we've talked a lot about over the summer, I mean, the two great uh, wide receivers, uh, 
the really good tight end. I mean, the amazing uh, – well, they have an amazing – Nick Chubb can play all three downs, but he's not going to play all three downs because of Kareem Hunt. So the Browns are set up to basically import directly that Vikings offense. And but it's, uh, it's going to be a tough tough week uh, for Kevin Stefanski's debut because going up against a historically good regular season team last year in the Ravens and something that hasn't gotten out of play yet, the Browns pure like they're going to be without Greedy Williams uh, this week. So – yeah, it's the second straight year the Browns won the offseason, isn't it? Uh, but I do not think uh, they will be winning week one. Terrible analysis, by the way. Uh, no, it was. Uh, Pat, you know, I don't think the Browns are going to win, you guys. You know, uh, Pat, it was wonderful. Let me, let me circle back on that because what we saw with Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota was a lot of two tight end sets. We also saw, you know, Kirk Cousins off play action be one of the better play action passers in the NFL. Well, we know that. Hayden, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I always will turn to you on this stuff. Uh, Baker Mayfield was one of the worst play-action passers the in worst. the NFL the worst. last season. He was actually the worst. Right. And now you bring in Austin Hooper to fill those two tight end sets. Well, I will say like the two tight end usage of the Eagles was drastically different than that of the Vikings last year because the Eagles performed as two top 12 tight ends. And you had, you know, Kyle Rudolph is like the number 20, number 19 overall tight end and like Irv Smith is a number 30. So like, I don't know how much production you're going to get over or difference with, with those usages trending over here. If there is one player, it's really going to elevate based on their 2019 game. It should be Odell Beckham in this format. Yeah. Odell Beckham is like one of the biggest positive regression candidates in all of football this year, just from a deep target uh, standpoint, also touchdowns. I think that ties into the play action rates. I think Odell's, Depth of target is going to be deeper than it was last year just because of the play action rate. But like, like Pat said, this is a tough matchup for both Jarvis Landry and uh, Odell Beckham with Marquis Peters and Marlon Humphrey. Um, I think the Browns are going to just struggle in general. I think that the Ravens in particular, their offense should shred, especially Mark Andrews. I think that Mark Andrews is going to show why he was being drafted as a tight end three this offseason. He scored three touchdowns against these Browns last season. <laughs> and uh the, the, the last thing is you have to move Nick Chubb down into the RB2 mix just for this week, just Absolutely. because of game script. And I, that does not mean I'm very excited about Kareem Hunt, though. He struggled against the Ravens last year. He's not quite as involved as people thought he was. Um, and I just don't think that the Browns are going to run enough plays to kind of keep up and have much fantasy production just because the Ravens should be uh, controlling the ball a lot. When Kareem Hunt showed up from week 10 on, he cut Nick Chubb's targets in half from 4 to 2.1 for the rest of the season. There is still, in my opinion, some ambiguity in this backfield because we don't know what's to fancy, how it's going to shape out, and what we expect to be negative game script. But we do know, we do know Lamar Andrews and Marquise Brown, now with 20 pounds of extra muscle, fully healthy from foot surgery, is going to roll. Yeah, I, I did mention at the top that not a lot has changed in the Ravens, but we could see like some elements of that offense even improve. You mentioned Marquise Brown. He's healthy. He's heavier. Mark Andrews only played about 43% of the snaps last year. That could jump all the way up to 70% this year. And then you have the J.K. Dobbins involvement, right? Like what is J.K. Dobbins going to add to this backfield that was already the best in the NFL last season? So again, one that was the most fun offense to watch Last year, there are pieces and chances for them to even improve here in 2020. All preseason betters also know that Harbaugh's Ravens in the preseason were just a lock to cover every single week. So just coming in fresh and being prepared is nothing new. That's why I also love the Ravens. The Jets travel to the Buffalo Bills. Bills six and a half. You said we were skipping this one, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Bills six and a half point favorites at home. Pat, the reason you might want to skip it is because over at points bet, it's a total, a measly total 
of 39 and a half. Uh, Hayden, Adam Gase, I think today, said that he wants everyone to throw out their memory of the 2019 season. You wish, buddy. I mean, you wish, buddy. We can't do that. It is ingrained and scarred into our memory. And Hayden, I mean, this team has dealt with injury after injury at the wide receiver group during training camp. What's changed from last year? I mean, like they've, they've theoretically made some improvements across the offensive line, but every single training camp report still believes that they're going to be one of the worst offensive lines in the league. Uh, they both had uh, Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims got in some practice time this week. So that's a good time for them playing, but zero chemistry with Sam Darnold. That's why I've been on Jameson Crowder as a top 36 fantasy option in PPR leagues. Even in this matchup, his matchup is the easiest of the three receivers. You do not want to be dealing with Tredavious White and the outside corners against the Bills. But in the slot, Jamison Crowder has a, a sneaky wide receiver three flex appeal for PPR leagues. And then the other th- on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen's in a great spot here. Last year, just because these games turned into blowouts so quickly, he was kind of, I think he had 18 and 16 fantasy points. So uh, maybe not the true ceiling game that we see out of Josh Allen just because the Jets' uh, offense can't keep up. Imagine, bless you on Austin, trying to keep up with Stephon Diggs. It's going to be an absolute nightmare. My issue for this, as Hayden was talking about, though, I don't think Josh Allen has a ceiling in this game either. Uh, I, I am concerned that the Jets just can't carry their weight, which means the Bills may not even hit their team total over of 23. You have to start them because it's such a good matchup. But if we're trying to prioritize like some other players in there over him, like I think Josh Allen is QB eight or nine on the week. Excuse me. I, I need to rewind here. Let me let's go ahead. Time machine. John Daigle this summer, there were multiple podcasts where you say we need to prioritize Buffalo bills because of their early season schedule. This is one of those games <laughs> that we should be starting every single, basically Buffalo bill. We have no our fancy roster. And it's not just you. Pat also has Josh Allen in his rankings, which you can check out on Rotorworld as quarterback 13 as well. So like that's outside of the top 12. That's outside of the starting range here at quarterback, which is so deep this season. I have him top 12. Like I said, I, I don't think he's like a top seven quarterback. I really do worry about the offense being too good and too efficient, thus scaling him back because the Jets can't carry their weight. Like it's Jameson Crowder getting targets and it's Herndon with a high target share, but I don't think he'll deliver on that target share. His ceiling is like six catches for 40 yards in this game. Hopefully he gets a touchdown. That's why I worry about their team total as a whole. Of course, you're starting him as a QB one. Yes, but there are roads for other quarterbacks to sneak in ahead of him. One thing I've never worried about with the Josh Allen led offense is it being too good. Uh, and <laughs> Vegas, you know, with the, the sub 40 total is definitely not sold on Josh Allen as the QB seven. And Josh Allen's weird. You guys actually kind of alluded to it. Maybe it's because the bills Python team so often with their defense last year that they didn't have to be aggressive, but Josh Allen, you know, his whole selling point in fantasy last year was supposed to be spiked weeks. Like we knew he'd be a very volatile player, he actually didn't have very many spiked weeks. I think only three or four games above 25 fantasy points. And he was not a spiked week player last year when he finished as the QB 13 by average points. And this is a really big early test for Josh Allen. And like where he's at is like, you know, this divisive player, because if he can't have a nice fantasy day against the Jets, I mean, that's going to be very, very concerning. And uh, just a burn I've had in my head. You asked what has changed with the Jets this year. I just think maybe the only thing is that they hate Le'Veon Bell more. Um, but yeah, this is a very much already on the spot game for Josh Allen. He needs to show something in this yeah. game. On, on the Bills note and with Josh Allen, I, I bet Brian Dayball wants to do what Norv Turner did with Cam Newton in terms of opening up those layups, those those easy receptions. And that's going to you know have an influence with Zach Moss in this game. And I mean, heading into last season, you know, John Brown, 
Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox, basically an entire offensive line. They fit seamlessly into that Buffalo Bills offense immediately. Now can Stephon Diggs and can Zach Moss do the exact same thing? And this is the perfect showcase for them to show that they absolutely can. So, and Josh, real quick, the Bills had the least amount of available targets from last year, and they just added Stephon Diggs. The target <laughs> shares here is something to something to keep an eye on just because we don't know. Like somebody's gonna be losing out here. We we're guessing that's Cole Beasley, definitely John Brown as well. But how many targets Stephon Diggs actually turns out? Because there's not that much uh targets available here. Really. I, I think I'm most optimistic of Stefan Diggs of this group, and I'm excited to see how that turns out. I just gotta say, very unsurprising. The Bills conversation immediately devolved into a Josh Allen debate where, but the biggest question really is gonna be the Bills backfield and how th- that shakes yep. out. And Devin Singletary was very hard for August to move a player's ADP this year with no preseason. Devin Singletary was one player whose ADP did move and it was down. Well, and I just I have a sneaking suspicion that just I just don't know if Zach Moss is gonna be ready to be a threat like to yeah. every area of Devin Singletary's games, kind of like, and I just wouldn't be shocked if maybe Devin Singletary ended up the victim of like one too many practice tweets, but it's admittedly a situation I feel like I do not have a good grasp on. Yeah. And I'm highly concerned about Devin I, Singletary. I wrote about Singletary in my bus article, which you can find on the site. And the reason is because he's a fantastic between the twenties player, like his explosive runs, 15 plus yard runs. He had 14 of the year, which was tied for fourth in the NFL and just his limited volume. Like he's great there, but Pat, Really what we care about and like where the pillars to fantasy scoring are scoring opportunities inside the five-yard line and receptions. And he didn't really do either of those. I mean, Frank Gore saw 11 of their 18 carries inside the five-yard line. So unless Devlin Singletary inherits more of those, and maybe he does, but by all accounts, and again, it's dangerous to go off these practice reports. By all accounts, though, Zach Moss kind of gets both of those roles. I mean, they've talked about his passing upside and his scoring potential as well. Yeah, that is the real concern that it's just not one area that he's been hyped as a threat in both those areas. Right. And that's where the huge uncertainty comes from. I think you can still start both like flex Ooh. both. Look at Daigle. I mean, he starts off this conversation by being like, uh, I'm not sure if the jets can keep up with the bills. So I, I'm a little bit nervous about the bills scoring upside. And now he just yeah. wants to start everyone, put everyone in the boat and start them. in This game is not what you're saying. Daigle. Hold on. Those ideas correlate. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I actually agree. Hayden, no, I'll defend John. Does Hayden, Hayden, does this make sense? Like Josh Allen's ceiling is capped in this game. His ceiling's capped. He's still on the QB one, two borderline. And I think that Devin, Devin Singletary is on the same thing with the uh, RB2 flex category as well. And I think that Stefan Diggs is more of a wide receiver three flex rather than like a locked in wide receiver two. But we'll Listen, see. I'm just operating as the listener and they might be a little confused. So Daigle, I just wanted you to elaborate. Your team total is 23. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't take my shirt off and get excited and start dancing. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. All right. That's for you, Josh. The Las Vegas Raiders are three-point favorites on the road against the Carolina Panthers, 47.5 total in this one. Daigle, this might be the only matchup of the weekend that doesn't feature a single playoff contender in it. We spent the entire offseason arguing about Josh Jacobs' third down roll for it not to matter whatsoever in week one. I mean, this is a Panthers defense that allowed the most rushing yards last year, allowed the most rushing touchdowns of 27 last year, and is the youngest defensive unit in the entire league. Josh Jacobs should have no issues just going absolutely insane, despite the fact he'll probably only get one target in this one. Yeah, I mean, this could be Josh Jacobs. We weren't the only people arguing all summer about Josh Jacobs, and it's pretty funny because week one can end up being like a pretty non-representative game for him. Uh, He's a very clear RB1 this week. What I'm very interested 
See, so I've just been workshopping a theory on Teddy Bridgewater lately. And people, you know, like are been hyping Teddy Bridgewater as kind of like maybe a down low fantasy relevant player because you know the, the Panthers probably have the worst defense in the league, and there's going to be so many pass attempts. Where I just I have this nagging suspicion that Teddy Bridgewater is being set up to fail. Where he's he's not someone you ever want to be like a high volume passer, and you know, like conservative Bridgewater is like not a meme. Like for via next gen stats last year. His average throw was 3.3 yards short of the sticks. And that was almost a full yard shorter than anyone else in the NFL. And we know that's how the Saints like to play offense, but even Drew Brees was well beyond that. And Teddy Bridgewater is a legitimately super conservative quarterback. And I just don't know if he's like he I feel like he can get exposed basically and like nonstop like come from behind game script. And so that's just another early season storyline. I'm very interested to follow uh, with the Panthers. I think it's all relationships based, like so much in the NFL. I mean, he had a relationship with Joe Brady. The team just didn't want to rely on Cam Newton's health anymore. You know, this year there were more quarterbacks out in the free agent market than ever before, but I think that they like Teddy the character. And they also didn't have to give him, you know, multi-years of guaranteed. I I understand, Pat. I think that this year could easily go off the rails for the Panthers. I mean, a four to five to six one team at best, I think, is the ceiling. And so then they immediately probably move on. But I'm not sure if setting up to fail, like, let's say Gardner Minshew is, is exactly the same thing. I mean, it's admittedly a theory, like a true theory. Like, it's just a theory. (laughs) Got it. I will say that. With this theory, you're, when he's checking down, he's checking down to Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, who I think could take a little bit of a leap here. I, I have him as one of my values in, in my uh, fantasy usage column. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think that just this game has kind of sneaky uh, uh, over appeal just because these defenses are both so bad. I think that the uh, Teddy – I think the Raiders were last in uh, defensive EPA – against the pass last year. So I'm setting up DJ Moore as a top 12 receiver. I think Curtis Samuel has some appeal. Of course, Christian McCaffrey is easily the best fantasy player there is. And like you guys said, with, with Josh Jacob facing the worst run defense in the league, that even worse just because they lost Luke Heakley. So um, I, I kind of like uh, all these guys, especially like in DFS, these guys are kind of being underpriced here. Yeah, I don't a think a huge caveat. I should have attached that yeah, against the Raiders. Uh, probably not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's sneaky at all. Like this game is going over. Um, and the fact that the Panthers are just missing like Eli Apple now on IR, who was going to play a thousand snaps for him this year, that just makes their defense much worse. Like Corn Elder has played sixty three career snaps, and he's going to be on the field every single down. The fact that left guard Dennis Daly doesn't look like he's playing, and as Joe Brady said before he was hired at LSU, as he proved in the national championship run, he's not worried about stacking the back the box and bringing guys in for more protection he'll just add more receivers on the field so I personally am starting Curtis Samuel as a wide receiver three with confidence in a lot of my leagues and I just think this game explodes wow interesting we talked a lot about the not not the Josh Allen game script for this week Josh (laughs) apparently not we talked a lot about the Raiders wide receivers on the Wednesday show so go back and listen to that I still think Henry Ruggs is being misidentified by the fantasy football community out there Hayden I've talked about this I don't know if he's going to go there with me, but I think he leads his team in targets. And if he does, that can be absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'm excited to see, and we I talked about in a previous show this summer, I'm excited to see who is like the slot option, the slot vacuum for the Panthers offense, because we know LSU last season, Justin Jefferson saw just a massive target share in the slot. I mean, just peppered with targets each and every time and easy ones that he was able to create a ton of production off of. There's no clear one slot player 
on this Panthers wide receiver trio. And I bet we see some combination of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel do it. And the more I see DJ Moore in the slot, the more I like Hayden, because that could be absolute moonshot time with him. And Damon Arnett, the, the first round surprise rookie corner, he's dealing with a fractured hand as well, or fractured thumb. So he's playing with like a club, I believe. So Always love even, the club. even more reasons to start DJ Moore as a wide receiver one. You can't play Ian Thomas, uh, given that he's battling turf toe and coming back in week one. And then how do we feel about Brian Edwards? Because there are people listening that actually want to play him like in the flex and redraft this week. And I'm a big no on that. Okay. Carter wrote an article about it. Check it out. Oh, there we, we go. go. Okay. That's all the plug we need. Yeah. Let's go over to the Chicago Bears traveling to the Detroit Lions who are at home and three-point favorites. The Lions are a total of 43 in this game. Hayden Winks for the entire summer. Again, talking point after talking point, show after show. You have been all over Matthew Stafford and this Lions offense. Can we hit the ground running once again after he missed the second half of the season due to injury? All training camp reports uh, showed that he's healthy. And the only issue now is Kenny Galladay is not healthy. He missed time this week with a hamstring injury. And Damon, or Danny Amendola also was on the injury report as well. So th- this could be a huge blow-up spot for Marvin Jones, who's kind of been the underrated wide receiver three flex play of the offseason, in my opinion. Uh, but we'll have to see how uh, Danny Amendola and more specifically Kenny Galladay do on Friday's injury report. But if everyone's healthy, I do like Matthew Stafford as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. The Bears defense is good, but it's not crazy good. The Lions are at home. And uh, we've seen this game kind of sneakily shoot out. Mitchell Trubisky has completely gone off against these Lions before. I'm not fully uh, expecting that again. But Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, I think, are two rock-solid fantasy plays this week. I think Anthony Miller was also a underrated flex play this offseason as well. So um, I don't think a huge game, but I think maybe underrated as long as we get a healthy Kenny Galladay. Both Hayden and Daigle all over Stafford all summer, and I fully sure. agreed. And I mean, even the Bears last year reg- didn't really regress that much off their amazing 2018 form. Still an elite defense, but yeah, I was excited about this game and starting kind of. I have I think Matthew Stafford probably higher than like I have him ranked as a top ten quarterback this week, but obviously that's going to have to change if Kenny Galladay is not playing. It really changes the whole dynamic of this game. Assuming Galladay is out there, I like the Lions team total, and that is also because I expect the Bears to carry their weight in this game. Uh, You look at six games, a large sample for Trubisky against bottom half defenses in DVOA last year, and he averaged 21.8 fantasy points, including 19.7 and 27.9 in his two games against the Lions. Also adding five and a half rushes, as we talked about on the waiver wire pod, in his last six starts. Then you look at the fact the Lions allowed the most plays per games to a last year. So take into account the entire situation, being indoors, uh, taking David Montgomery out of the picture and adding only a pass catching back since their only guy who could handle 20 plus carries on Tavis Pierce was cut on Saturday. And then Trubisky splits in this situation. So I, I just, I like the over. I like, I like everyone in this game. Doesn't it kind of seem like David Montgomery might suit up for this game and play just a little bit? I mean, if he does, you can't, you can't possibly start him. No, you, you can't. You can't. No, and, and I also want to look at this Lions backfield because we said a lot about the Lions, but I mean, it's just a mess. So I think we're all just yeah. trying to avoid it. I mean, there were points, you know, when DeAndre Swift was in that group with Cam Akers and Raheem Mostert and all those guys. And obviously, Karrion Johnson was likely the, going to be the lead back for most of the offseason. And now just in this last week, this team added Adrian Pierce. I mean, Hayden, 
again, three-point favorites at home, kind of the formula where we would be okay with using some of these running backs. But in this case, I just want to avoid it at all costs. Yeah, I think carry on Johnson as a flex play in like a standard league is fine. I wouldn't be trying to do that. I would try to find somebody else. I think Anthony Miller against the Lions, 31st ranked defense against fantasy receivers as a better flex play than all of these uh, want to be running backs and in these like timeshares that we just can't commit to. So I think that Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, and whatever Lions healthy receiver that uh, is available, those are the guys you want to be playing here. All right. Going over to the uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, go ahead, Tegel. I just want to say quickly, Dave Montgomery, when I said you can't play him, like James Robinson, uh, Tavin Coleman, like those are guys I'm starting over him. Like you don't want to play Montgomery. Indianapolis Colts go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are eight-point favorites in the road, a total of 45 in this one. Pat, what is Phillip Rivers going to bring to this game and to this team that Jacoby Brissett could not last year? First off, decision-making, just getting rid of the ball quicker. Uh, Phillip Rivers has had some years with Frank Reich where he got rid of the ball like as quickly as anyone in the NFL. Whereas Jacoby Brissett, like glacial pace, basically, of quarterbacking. And so that'll be the biggest change. Not that I, not that Phillip Rivers, I said decision-making. Uh, obviously, Phillip Rivers' uh, decision-making uh, often leaves something to be desired. But quicker distribution of the football probably more just better distribution of the football is the main thing, but what are we going to get this week? I mean, this week, I think we're going to barely get QB two numbers, right? Because the Colts game plan looks very obvious. I mean, would we be surprised to see 30 plus rush attempts for the Colts this week as they break uh, Jonathan Taylor into the NFL, apparently still feature Marlon Mack, which I was dubious on until the road to world Slack chat this week really did be like, Oh no. Yeah. I mean, convinced me that Marlon Mack, uh, not that I needed convincing. I really, for this week, but that Marlon Mack will be involved. And uh, it's going to be a quiet cult start uh, for Phillip Rivers this week. Thank you for taking us inside the mind of, of Patrick Darty right there. Like just the thought process of battling your internal conclusions and all that and going to us for some feedback. I appreciate it, Pat. I do want to add with the Phillip Rivers comment. One, I think his decision-making, yes, not perfect all the time, but I think it's extrapolated because – in scenarios where they're down by like 21 points in the fourth quarter, he's not someone who just like cares about his completion percentage. Like he's just going to try to throw downfield no matter what. And this is easily the best offense and offensive line that Phillip Rivers. And I meant to say offensive line yeah. that he's ever played behind. And so just seeing that, and I know there were times last year when he threw the football and it seemed like he didn't know where it wound up, but I'm excited to see him obviously with T Y Hilton, but there are also some explosive players, Daigle, like Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman, who are basically new to this offense. And to see all of those three plus that backfield explosion as well could be a lot of fun. The concern for all of those guys, including Rivers, is the fact that the Colts had a intensive game plan for the Jaguars last year, getting 36 and 27 carries in those two contests. And we know, or we assume safely, the Jaguars won't put up a fight here. So I just think it's Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor all day. Of course, Philip Rivers has upside because we expect them to be in the red zone often, but uh, more of a low-end QB2 for me because I just think they hammer the ball with no fight back. I mean, they they have a team total of 26.5. That's like top five, top six in the league. So I don't want to completely discount Phillip Rivers, and I definitely do not want to discount T.Y. Hilton, who I think is a perfect right. match with Phillip Rivers. Last year, if you look at where the Jacoby game's Brissett, outside, man, case closed. I know. I know. But, but the Jaguars lost, but their best pass rusher, their best corner, like they have no talent on defense. After they suck. They, they, yeah, they were just horrible. I think that T.Y. Hilton was missing the downfield element last year, and that was something that Jacoby Brissett just could not – handle throwing the ball downfield. So I think that we're going to see a T.Y. Hill or T.Y. Hilton 
wide receiver two resurgence this year. And I think that that could start this week. And then on the other side of the ball, look out for Gardner Minshew rushing the ball himself, kind of providing some sneaky value if you're in like a two quarterback league. I just think that he's just going to be in the best game scripts for random uh, uh, scrambling, random downfield throws to uh, DJ Chark and to my guy, Chris, Chris Conley, who's a deep, deep sleeper. If you're playing for minimum price DFS uh, options, I, I kind of like this game kind of shooting out weirdly just because I think that Gardner Minshew has a little something to him. I don't think that the Colts defense is that great. And I think that uh, Philip Rivers is going to be ready to roll. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, let's move on. Green Bay Packers go to the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings at home, two and a half point favorites, a total of 45. Looking at the entire slate, Daigle, this is the line to me that should be flipped above any other because... This Vikings team, I understand Mike Zimmer, like the head coach, has not changed. And Gary Kubiak, yes, was behind the scenes last year operating that offense in some ways. But there's a lot of change. I mean, a lot of change. One, Danell Hunter is not playing in this game. Two, Stephon Diggs is obviously not on the offensive side of the ball. Riley Reef, they've, you know, it, the offensive line seems to be jumbled in a bit. It, it, I don't have the answers that I want for the Vikings to be favorites over the Green Bay Packers even if we question if the Packers can match the same record as they did last season. That's the thing about this game is that we're all just sort of learning. That's why it's a a weird one to try and bet. Um, Rodgers, the past two years, has averaged 226 yards and only one score against the Vikings. But like you said, it's a completely different secondary. I mean, they're they're asking Holton Hill and Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney to try and keep up with the Packers passing game. Um, and there's no reason to believe Devontae Adams' 31% target share that he accrued when he came back from injury last year doesn't carry over immediately. So for the Packers, I think it's Devontae Adams, um, to a much lesser extent, Alan Lazard. And then we don't think the Vikings will run the ball heavily because I'm not sure they can if the Packers do dominate their secondary. So we like Dalvin Cook's target share with Adam Thielens as well. Well, I don't know. The the Vikings played super well at home against the Packers last year. They didn't let Zadarius Smith sack Kirk Cousins like 14 times. I don't know if anyone else remembers this game. Uh, it was one of the most like horrendous performances by any team all year, the Vikings at home against the Packers last year, which we don't care about. Has no carryover effect, but you know, Aaron Rodgers had a very tough time against Mike Zimmer defenses. Uh, hasn't had more than two scores since Christmas Eve, two thousand sixteen, and you know you, you look for things to like hang your fantasy hat on with Aaron Rodgers. And as we know, there's just really nothing there to expect a change from last year. I mean, other than like angry Aaron, but like we don't. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was already playing with a massive chip on his shoulder last year. I'm sure he was already upset about the offense and his lack of weapons last year. It's not like a new, like a new, there's gonna be a change in attitude for Aaron Rodgers, who just seems to always be angry. And uh, this is a strange game. I, I, I'm not a good better. I wouldn't, I couldn't put a line on this game. This is one uh, just perplexes me. Hmm. I mean, if you I can put a line on it, then I guess it's even right. And in that uh, case, you, know, would take, yeah, you would take true. the Packers. So Darius you know? Smith is getting 19 sacks again. That's all I know. Hayden, biggest question for me. I mean, Stefan Diggs, 
and I said this earlier, led the NFL in 20-plus yard touchdowns last season. Literally no replacement on this roster, unless you want to count BC Johnson, unless you want to ask Adam Thielen to do what he hasn't done in the past. That was a major factor. And just digging in just a little bit more, obviously Kevin Stefanski, one of the highest play action rates in the NFL last season. I went back and looked at Gary Kubiak the last times he was in charge. At best, he was league average, like 16th, 17th, 18th. There were years when he was like 23rd in play action rate. Has he changed? Has an old dog learned new tricks here? And if that hasn't changed, then I think Kirk Cousins could be in major trouble this year in comparison to last year. I have to interject real quick on Gary Kubiak, who maybe was never high in like play action rate, but is a masterful play action court. He, he's one of the best at like setting up really big plays to play action and maybe the rate's not high, but he Gary Kubiak is a very good play-action coach. I don't think it's really going to matter. Adam Thielen's going to get like 10 targets a game, and he's going to post wide receiver one numbers. I'm not scared of this matchup um, at home. The, the one thing we have to kind of pay attention to is the Packers are basically begging uh, people to run against them, which was kind of odd last year. They were 31st in rushing EPA, so maybe we get a Dalvin Cook game. Um, as well. And I think Aaron Jones, who we've had plenty of discussions about, I was kind of lower on him than than most people were. But I think early in the season, if there is going to be a three down role for Aaron Jones, it's going to happen now while A.J. Dillon is still learning the offense, still getting yep. some reps in. So I think that Aaron Jones for probably has a, a good game here. Um, and then Dalvin Cook, if he's not going to be holding out. So we'll see. Uh, Dalvin Cook is my RB3, assuming he doesn't hold out. And as you asked, Josh, I would think the second person on that totem pole is Herb Smith. So I'm curious to see how that shakes out. What, okay. what is it, BC Johnson? No, it's possible. I, I don't think Herb Smith Jr. is going to score two 20-plus yard touchdowns this year. You know? Like, I don't I don't think he's going to score, or like, in, in terms of air yards. He's not going to haul in seven 20-plus yard receptions this year. You know? Like, it, to me, that's the concern. Because there is literally no replacement unless, and maybe we would have had that answered. And it's also Justin Jefferson has not seemed like to light the training camp on fire at all. Now he's like, I know Pat, what, I what know Pat. A player who can't separate doesn't light training camp on fire. Stop. So who knows? All right, let's go over to the Miami Dolphins going to the New England Patriots. Patriots six and a half points at home, 42 overall, 42 total. Feels a bit aggressive. You think so? I mean, this is also the team. We have to, every Patriots defensive captain is like opted out of the season, except for yeah. like Stefan Gilmore. So tell us more, Pat. I mean, are you just not into Cam and his, his debut? Do you think that the Dolphins can do exactly what they did last year in week 17 and upset the Patriots here? Well, it's, it's t- so like I don't want to be like on the record as like not into Cam this season, but it is, it's a concerning setup. I mean, the, the, the supporting cast is maybe sub what Tom Brady had last year, you know, it's not a good situation for Cam Newton and who he's throwing to. And, you know, it's, is so the foot and the shoulder injury uh, concerning for the arm is just as concerning for the legs. So two very concerning issue injuries for like both of the dual threats. And it's just and Cam Newton, you know, too, did not light up training camp. He apparently immediately took over the locker room and immediately took over the huddle like big plays were kind of few and far between for the Patriots offense, which is just not surprising when you look at who they're operating with, both receiver and running back and even tight end. They have some young upside at tight end, but uh, it's just that young upside. And I really wanted to be super into Cam Newton as a Patriot. But yeah, he kind of seems stuck in like mid-range QB2 land to me where he might be a pure like QB2 streamer, which I, I had aspirations for more. It's, it's just hard to see right now. 
I'll say this as someone who has followed the Carolina Panthers for a very long time. It has never been like Cam Newton is just Mr. Perfect in practice either. Like he will test things. He will try new things. He will throw interceptions. You know, it's not like Marcus Mariota, who I think during his second season didn't throw an interception for 17 straight practices. And we saw how that turned out. I'm super excited to see what Cam looks like with Josh McDaniels. I mean, there was so much talk when they signed Cam Newton of, oh, how does he fit? I think Josh McDaniels is going to figure it out. He fits perfectly, I, too, because they want to be run heavy. Play. Yeah, they want to be run heavy and efficient short area passing, which Cam actually got better at. His final but, hey, years let me ask you this. I mean, if, again, Patriots, six and a half point favorites, people are going to score points in this offense. It might be Cam, but who else is it going to be other than Julian Edelman in this offense? Well, I think that's, that's your answer right there. Julian Edelman was being drafted outside of the top 36 in fantasy production or, or, or fantasy production. Uh, drafts this offseason he's going to be like a top 20 wide receiver just based off of volume here the one thing i am keeping an eye on is the patriots were first in neutral situation pace last season i wonder if they're going to scale things back like pat said run the ball more and the the patriots just play play totals just going to significantly drop where just it's basically just julian edelman as like a wide receiver two wide receiver three depending on matchups and then everyone else is basically unplayable outside of maybe you get a james white maybe you get a sony michelle just because being me and Harris is on injured reserve right now, but I, for me, it's, it's just keep it simple. It's Julian Edelman inside like the top 25 rankings, Cam Newton on that QB one, QB two borderline. And then basically everyone else uh, let, let your league mates try to figure out what's going to go on behind them. I completely agree with Hayden, especially since the reports are Sony Michelle are going to be eased back in, in this game. So Cam Newton is my QB 14, I believe in our rankings. And that's kind of where it stops for me. Jane Gailey is now season. Uh, he's not on the Patriots anymore, so don't add him. Uh, just a comedy hour today. Uh, Chan Gailey is now the uh, offensive coordinator once again of the Miami Dolphins. He reunites with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, Pat, for so long, and you've worked at Rotor Road long enough to see multiple Chan Gailey stops. Um, he, he's one that, you know, was way ahead of the curve in terms of using multiple wide receivers. I think the issue for the Dolphins is they probably don't have multiple wide receivers on their roster, but – I don't even know how to ask this question. Like, what do we envision this offense looking like? Is it Devontae Parker having the same breakout that he did last year when Preston Williams went down? Preston Williams has apparently had a big camp. And, you know, we talked frequently that the cheapest backfield in fantasy football was Jordan Howard versus Matt Breida. And it seems like that just disappeared and disintegrated because I haven't heard any conversations about them this offseason. Yeah, I mean, Shane Gailey used to be kind of famous for like a very balanced, kind of methodical offense. And then, more, yeah, his last stop, I believe, with the Jets. Uh, it can be hard to keep track of where Shane Gailey is at all times. Uh, he became more, more famous with Ryan Fitzpatrick for using a lot of three and four receiver sets. So, yeah, an old dog actually learning new tricks. Like you said, with the Dolphins, it's like kind of personnel issues where they had two uh, major opt-outs at receiver. And, you know, now each of Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Mike Jacecki are uh, on the injury report this week. The Dolphins kind of tend to over-report injuries. All three of them should play. Uh, but, yeah, just kind of a strange setup where we don't quite – I mean, Mike Jacecki should be the big slot, so maybe kind of almost like a third receiver type. But it, yeah, Dolphins have some personnel questions. They have some injury questions. Uh so it's it's a little hard, especially against the Patriots, who did have a non-trivial amount of very important defenders opt out, but still have a very good defense, still have Stephon Gilmore. And this week, yeah, for the Dolphins might be like a non-representative week as they kind of get their feet wet against an elite defense uh, with an apparently banged-up skill core. Uh, the backfield, I mean, uh, are we starting any of the – I don't know. no. no. We just can't. I mean, I just, you, can't, you can't be excited about starting any of them, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams included. 
All right. I know it's a shame. I, I have Preston Williams on almost every team because his ADP mm-hmm. for whatever reason never emerged at like the mid forties. But yeah, there's there's no good Preston Williams. Other weeks, buddy. One week at a time, and this ain't it. <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles go to the Washington football team, six point road favorites. The Eagles. Just a totally normal name for an NFL football team. I'm just glad I didn't pause at the beginning because it seems like every single time I have to pause before saying it out loud. Anyways, six point favorites. The Eagles are 42 and a half total here. Hayden, earlier in the offseason, I mean, the Eagles just had a wonderful roster. Then you had the injury to Brandon Brooks. Then you had the injury to Andre Dillard. Jen Rager is might return to the field even for this game, but you know, he is banged up. Um, and now they face off against a Washington defense and namely front seven that has some talent to it. Again, six point favorites here. Any hesitation in playing your Eagles on your roster this week? Uh, to some extent, yes. And I'll take a step further. I think a top five defensive line for Washington, not okay. just like a borderline good, like a legit defensive line and miles sanders banged up he has a hamstring injury as well we have to scale him back i think i'm gonna probably end up settling him as an rb2 for now until we learn more about him deshaun jackson set up for a a huge game uh the washington secondary is horrendous if you're looking for a true pass funnel which i think is probably a term that we overstate i think washington's going to be a true pass funnel it's gonna be hard to run against them in their front seven their secondary lacks any talent basically at all so i think deshaun watts or deshaun jackson is a wide receiver three, uh, and we'll see about the other um, wide receivers who's playing and who's not. No Andre Dillard or Brandon Brooks, which makes the Washington line with five former first-round pass rushers even more scary in the situation. This almost adds up to be an upset special, correct? Because Ooh, the, I've been feeling the same way. I'm glad someone actually said it out loud. The markets aren't accounting for the creativity of Washington. They're assuming this is the old Washington football team, but we've, as we've talked about all offseason, Scott Turner, Antonio Gibson, the reason they cut Adrian Peterson, he said so himself, is because he doesn't fit what they want to do anymore. Use running backs out wide and use a lot of pre-snap motion, which again, for a defense transitioning, all-stars, yes, but transitioning new players in week one, like this is the week they get creative and throw the defense off. So I, I love Washington. Don't think they're getting credit by Vegas yet. If only we talked about Antonio Gibson as a potential league leader back in June, back in June, and like had clips of it that we could have just promoted. Oh, bosses, we're going to send you a text. I'm with you, though, on Scott Turner. What Scott Turner does, and we did towards the end of last season, was create chaos in terms of confusing defenses. And he can do that with Antonio Gibson. He can do that with Terry McLaurin. He can do that with Steven Sims. He can do that with a whole bunch of other people. And, and Pat, while those might not be like stellar talents other than Terry McLaurin that have been absolutely proven, it's also the type of formula along with Dwayne Haskins taking a second year jump and, you know, jumps that he had during points during his rookie year. That could be the surprise of week one, like if we're taking a walk down narrative street here. It is something to, to focus, like it is something to hang your hat on, but there's also a chance that the Eagles front seven uh, creates chaos with statue Dwayne Haskins. And it, True. So we can't get like too far. It just, to to go to go down narrative street though, we, we know that the Eagles frequently have bizarre performances on the road and our team that just sometimes, so I think the Eagles will win, but I wouldn't be surprised at a uh, WFT cover. Um and uh all about the tongue yeah exactly it just sounds so so natural in all seriousness josh though there are people that have lineup decisions with antonio gibson so like how high are you ranking him yeah you play him i mean especially in in a game script that should be negative i mean he might get eight targets in this game i think you're playing him right hayden 
Well, the the one thing, and I, this doesn't really uh, uh, apply to Antonio Gibson. The Eagles were number three in rushing EPA defense last year, so this isn't just like some walkover front line that we're dealing with. So I, I think, well, I'm kind of more taking a wait and see approach with mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson. I think like ten touches is probably reasonable, and I think probably five or so receptions, but. Will he break off a big play? We'll see. Uh, we're all the way in on Terry McLaurin. This is the week to cash in those tickets. I don't think that everyone's oh, yeah. realized uh, what kind of talent we're dealing with and how many plays we're going to see run by Washington. They were like like bottom, like in 28th or 29th in plays last year. They're going to go way up just because the team's better, just because they have an offensive coordinator that called the second most passing attempts in the NFL last year with the Carolina Panthers. So expect Terry McLaurin to climb up all the way to like the top 15. How dare you subtweet Bill Callahan, by the way. But yeah, Terry McLaurin is a top 15 receiver this week. He's almost the top 12. I couldn't quite get there, but I wanted to get there. And Deshaun Jackson, perhaps top 15, top 20. Indie folk singer Bill Callahan, much better than offensive coordinator Bill Callahan. (laughs) And Pat, you mentioned it. I mean, I think the Washington football team like has no left tackle. Like they're basically playing with four offensive linemen and that's really dangerous with the rotation of defensive ends and edge rushers that the Eagles have. And also 25 touches for Antonio Gibson or we riot here in week one. Pat just playing the (laughs) hits after he has a kid. Pat just wants to get all of them out on the line after he has a kid. All of it. All right, shifting on over to the four o'clock games. Let's start off with the Los Angeles Chargers going to the Cincinnati Bengals. Three-point road favorites. The Chargers are here. No one, and I mean no one, has been more excited to watch Joe Burrow play his first game in the NFL than Hayden Winks this summer. Hayden, I mean, it's kind of lining up. Obviously, the Chargers deal with injuries every single year. Derwin James out for the season. But I will say this, Hayden. I believe the biggest mismatch of week one is this Los Angeles Chargers front front seven versus the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line. And that in and of itself could be the game changer in this game. I am tempering expectations. I still think that the Bengals are going to run a lot of plays. I think Joe Mixon is a top 10 fantasy running back. And I think that Joe Burrow still belongs inside the top 20. But like you said, the Chargers secondary, yes, they learn or they, they lose Derwin James. But they still trot out like three awesome corners so we have to kind of scale back our expectations for aj green whatever they are he's healthy he's fully practicing but he even said himself that he is still battling some conditioning issues he'll see how many plays he can get out there so tyler boyd aj green all these guys are like kind of flex plays more than uh i think they would rather be wide receiver three plays later in the season and easier matchups but like you said i'm just curious to see how joe burrow looks how he does under pressure and then the other big thing is I think the pressure is going to be coming off the edge. How much does he scramble? At LSU, he scrambled a lot, kind of an underrated amount. It's different doing it in uh, the pros. But I'm kind of curious to see if we actually see Joe Burrows running seven, eight times a game just because he's running for, for his life. Vaguely, I mean, are we surprised the Chargers are three? And, I guess we're not surprised the Chargers three no. and a half point road favorites. I mean, it is Tarod Taylor. It is like a new era. I, I have a few questions. Uh I'll say about Joe Burrow is uh, there's a friend of the podcast that you guys don't know who's at Dance Remix on Twitter. His name is Sam Donsky, and he texted me today that Joe Burrow is going to win MVP. He's a Bills fan. He's not a Bengals fan. So uh, there are people out there other than Hayden even higher on Joe Burrow. I don't want to ruin Sam's hopes, Dansky. But, yeah, Donsky. He's a Donsky. Excuse me. He's Amazing football fan too. Uh, I love he, but he has bold takes. I love him. Yeah, um, I in this game, I've already bet the Chargers plus three and a half. I think it's another. I can't use the upset special twice, so I have to stick with Washington. But I think there is a chance the Bengals covering and the 
under correlate, given that we have no Mike Pouncey most likely. And uh, again, it's a new offense. Yes, the Bengals did allow the most rushing yards to quarterbacks last year, and we expect Tyrod Taylor as a good streamer to get over six carries in this one. But as the home opener with a higher tempoed offense, I do like the Bengals to stick around. I might take the Bengals in my confidence points pool, like for one or two points. Again, there's that three line, Daigle, over at points bet. Um, and also, everyone out there, if you are interested in these, let's call them hobbies, uh, the best way and the best place to go and check out all the lines in one place is over in our premium products. That's rotoro.com slash edge. We have every single line out there from FanDuel, from DraftKings, from MGM Caesars, and PointsBet all on one page. They are updating every five minutes. So go on over again to rotoworld.com slash edge and look under the betting tab for that. Another line of decision people will have is AJ Green. And I'm curious where y'all fall on this because nope. I, would, I would start CD Lamb. I'd start Anthony Miller. I mean, you can just go down the list of players I'd start over him this week. Big I'm going to nope make on Howard Bender and scream at Hayden Winks that we are not playing AJ Green. Yeah, I have AJ yeah. Green's like the wide receiver, 46. So just yeah. the dude, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the blurb we had today literally got in his first full practice since Zach Taylor became Bengals coach. 2018. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> we'll see. Tyler Boyd, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in town of the board. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Could see a lot of volume going in that direction. All right, let's move on to potentially the game of the weekend. Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to the New Orleans Saints. Saints, three and a half point favorites at home. This is the first time in 47 years that Tom Brady has not been a favorite in a regular season football game. Uh, A total of 48 in this one. Hayden, I mean, there are hundreds of players you could talk about here. What do you have your eye on most? Well, I'm I'm just kind of maybe a little bit concerned with Mike Evans' status. He missed practice. He's kind of trending the wrong direction here with a hamstring injury. That's the last thing that uh, Tom Brady needs against a legit Saints defense and an offense that sometimes can get really slow and just kind of control the clock here. In in games last year, um, Jameis Winston had like 14 and 16 points despite trailing a ton just because they couldn't completely get the offense together. I'm worried about Mike Evans. I would drop him down significantly. He's also uh, dealing with uh, Marshawn Lattimore, even if he does play. I think Chris Godwin's in a huge spot. That would be the one Bucks guy I'm really confident in. What the Bucks backfield? So to Mike Evans, unfortunately, that would kind of ruin this game. Like that's a huge shame that he's looking on the wrong side of questionable. But yeah, the Bucks backfield. I just don't know if I'm buying the Rojo uh, votes of confidence. I I just feel like you don't sign Leonard Fournette and have him uh, back up Ronald Jones. Is even though I don't know if any of us think Leonard Fournette is good, but no. uh, I'm having a hard time believing it. This isn't even the game script, anyways. They're they're like seven point eight point. Uh, uh, underdogs if Mike Evans is out. So I don't know how you would start either it's, one of these guys. It's still it's still almost a 50 total. I mean, there's going to be drives to finish near the goal line. That would be kind of where you'd hang your Leonard Fournette hat. Uh, I do. I, I think Leonard Fournette will get the first call on goal line carries over Ronald Jones. I'd start Leonard Fournette over David Montgomery. That's as far as it goes oh. for me. Um, I'm just I'm just playing the hits with this one. I don't think you need to get cute given the defensive numbers that Hayden cited. Um, Kamara, Michael Thomas, who had 100 yards, 114 yards and a touchdown, and 140 yards and two touchdowns in his two contests against his defense last year. And then the Bucks, you know, it's Chris Godwin. Uh, be wary of Mike Evans' injury. Gronkowski even is probably being overrated in his first game because I don't think he's going to be used on a number of plays. More of a packaged player. All right. Gronk is weird. The one thing I'll say about Gronk's like basically zero buzz camp is that they're just keeping him under wraps that he just viewed it like, like as pure conditioning and they weren't forcing the issue at all with Gronk, but definitely a bizarre uh, August for Gronk. 
Arizona Cardinals go to the San Francisco 49ers. This game presented some fun matchups last year. 49ers, seven-point home favorites here, a total of 48. Pat, year over year, we see that one of the best defenses in the NFL the next year just cannot sustain that model. And it's not like the 49ers have been a beacon of health this offseason either. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, both on the injury report heading into this opening week. I have this vision, Pat, that we just see like – this weird, crazy Jordan Reed, eight catch, 120, two touchdown game. And like, then he just sails off into the sunset and lets it go out on a high. It feels more like Deshaun Jackson to me, maybe, but Deshaun's not ready to retire, obviously. Uh, Jordan Reed, I don't, why are we leading the conversation with Jordan Reed? Uh, because with, uh, he's basically the only pass catcher other than George Kittle that is healthy entering this game. So, Georgie Kittle. Uh, we don't know quite. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is healthy, and uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk is like kind of the fabled first round rookie who is immediately needed for a big role. Uh, I, 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 I treated Brandon Ayuk as like a wide receiver for this week. Uh, this is a weird game. I'm so excited for Kyler. Uh, I, I think he continues to check all the boxes, the latest box being getting a true number one receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, with two fairly rough games against the 49ers last year. One was saved almost, I believe it was the 88-yard Andy Isabella touchdown against the 49ers. Um, but this might be the lowest I've Kyler ranked all year where I've got him right on that borderline in the Josh Allen zone of the QB1-2. We know defenses – the Bears, I will say, regress surprisingly, surprisingly little, but we know defenses will regress. But, I mean, you still – you can't just, like, say regression and then, like, go home. I mean, clearly the 49ers are still a very daunting matchup uh, for Kyler Murray. What does bode well for Kyler is that this is the time you want to catch the Niners. Uh, DeForest Buckner transitioning to a new defense. Fred Warner just coming off the COVID list Wednesday. And then D Ford just returning to practice from his preseason injury. So I think it's a good time, and I like this game to go over. Um, established the runs, Pat Thorman noted that the Cardinals allowed the second most opponent plays per game last year. And Arizona's games in particular averaged the eighth most combined plays on the season. So I like both offenses, and I don't like you knocking Jarrett McKinnon and perhaps Kendrick Bourne, Josh. Excuse me for not thinking that either one of those guys might have a a launch pad in week one. I also want to bring this up, Hayden. I mean, we saw last year with Cliff Kingsbury how he was just able to change his offense based on the personnel that he was allowed or afforded. I mean, 36% of the time they spent in three wide receiver sets, 23% of the time in two tight end sets. 31% 31% in four wide receiver sets. That's versatility. Do you expect him now with everyone basically as healthy as they're going to be in week one, shifting and focusing on just one of those? Well, that's the key. It's the health and all four of the top receivers. That includes Andy Isabella as the second outside receiver. Uh, I think they're going to use the, the four receiver sets here. I think Kenyon Drake's going to be heavily involved. I think Chase Edmond remains kind of more of a standalone or uh, lacks standalone value, but he's a, a top 100 fantasy asset, in my opinion, just because he would transition into a RB1 if uh, Kenyon Drake missed time. But Kenyon Drake's healthy. He was out of his boot early. He said it was not a big deal. He was completely off the off the injury report early in the week. So I think it's all systems go for Kenyon Drake as like a top 14, top 15 fantasy option. It's not the greatest matchup for him. On the flip side, I'm kind of curious to see how this backfield for the 49ers shakes out. In training camp, nobody wanted to tweet it out because everybody was against Raheem Mostert, but he took a lot of the training camp first uh, uh, first team practice reps. He was uh, basically on the field for like 80% of the drives. I am a big believer in Raheem Mostert over Tevin Coleman as a talent. I'm curious as seven, seven to eight point favorites here, how many touches Raheem Mostert gets. 
I say Mostert, what you need to know about Mostert is that he had zero leverage whatsoever when he requested the trade, and they still like kicked a little extra money his way. I mean, like they understand his importance to the offense, and they understand, like any sane person, that Tevin Coleman is bad and that hmm. Jared McKinnon has not played in two years. And uh, yeah, I'm fully aboard the Mostert train uh, with Hayden. Kyle Posey, who has a great pulse of the 49ers, said that Mostert's going to play so well and be so productive that he is going to get MVP votes this season. I mean, you can see it if he gets 80% of the backfield work this year, maybe 75%, and you're Madden franchise maybe, Pat. Only <laughs> only you Vikings can – Let Steph Diggs go after a 5,000-yard season. I mean, <laughs> okay. just ridiculous. All right. Let's move on over to Sunday Night Football. That is the Dallas Cowboys going to the Los Angeles Rams, I guess, opening their new stadium, right? Yes. Uh, Three-point favorites, the Dallas Cowboys are on the road, a massive total of 51 and a half here. Daigle, could this immediately, in terms of the Dallas Cowboys, look like a top three, top one offense in the NFL? Of course. And we expect this one to be a track meet after, as Hayden has said time and time again, the Rams passed at the highest rate when trailing. Uh, I don't know who covers here, but again, under Mike McCarthy, we're going to see a lot of 11 personnel. They've already hinted at getting the running backs, Ezekiel Elliott in particular, more involved in the passing game. So you just want pieces of this offense. And my waiver wire Q&A on Tuesday on Twitch, I had a lot of concerned questions about Cam Akers, but buddy, Cam Akers is looking at 20 touches here if Daryl Henderson's out because they have nowhere else to go. I don't believe they're going to go a three-man rotation with Xavier Jones, undrafted SMU running back in the mix. No, but you're just completely forgetting about Malcolm Brown. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 50-50 split between Malcolm Brown and, and Cam Akers. I agree, Darryl but why doesn't that... participate in practice. Daryl Henderson's playing. He, played, he, he practiced in full yesterday. Oh, he practiced yeah. in full yesterday? Okay, cool. You should know that, Dave. Well, he's going to be healthy in the newsletter so in, your, in your email box the newsletter from the daryl henderson fan club i barely get your emails you know this <laughs> this is john true. knows that daryl's gonna be a healthy scratch it's all right no i'm just kidding i mean there's not much to know about the dallas cowboys or to say about them i hayden i was a little intrigued by what ezekiel elliott said this week that he said he barely spent any time in the backfield this offseason that he's going to have this new role and progression in the passing game i mean how many times are the cowboys going to freaking throw the football this year we've also seen him at times in his past, hover around like, what, 82 targets during an NFL season that's kind of trailed off in recent years. That would only increase the value of a top three fantasy football pick this year. Yeah, I have him ranked as my second running back this week just because this offensive, this the second in pace versus third in offensive pace, this, this game's going to go over. I'm pretty mm-hmm. confident in that. Uh, and I, I think that Zeke Elliott and then the other guy on the Cowboys I'm really paying attention to is Michael Gallup. Amari Cooper's been dealing with a little hamstring injury. Apparently it's fine, but he also is going to be facing Jalen Ramsey. Michael Gallup is in the perfect uh, spot to blow up. I have him probably inside my top 20, top 24 fantasy receivers this week just because the 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 game environment is so strong. Maybe we see a, a, a C.D. Lamb um, explosion. Um, but yeah, Dak Prescott's in a perfect spot. If, if Dak Prescott's jumping the ball off to Zeke Elliott instead of handing it to him, he's going to throw for 5,000 yards this year and definitely catch some MVP votes. So um, you just want to be all in on this game. I even think Jared Goff's okay. I'm definitely on the Robert Woods train, definitely on the Tyler Higby train. And then we'll see what the Rams do as a, on a personnel grouping. We'll see how much Cooper cut plays. He was subbed out last year when they went to 12 personnel. Uh, We'll have to see if they actually use 12 personnel this year. 
Yeah, you know, Sean McVay made change after change this offseason in terms of his coaching staff. I'm excited to see what that change actually looks like on the NFL field. All right, let's go over to Monday Night Football. Two games this weekend, one at like 725 Eastern, one at 1015 Eastern. That's always a fun matchup. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers at the New York Giants. Pittsburgh on the road, six-point favorites here. Pat, I think this all comes down to if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy or not, if the reports from training camp are accurate because if they are, this Pittsburgh Steelers team, I'll go on record, might contend for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel like they might be one or two offensive weapons short of a Super Bowl, but they still have a lot of upside on offense. And so, yeah, I mean, the last time Ben Roethlisberger played a full season, he threw for the seventh most yards in NFL history, over 5,200 yards, I believe. Uh, but, you know, that was one Antonio Brown and three elbow tendons ago. So, like, a lot of questions. You know, there was a lot of – summer scuttlebutt about his spiral, which by the end of camp was apparently fine and uh, back to normal. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is going to be a good spot for Ben Roethlisberger to like, get back in rhythm uh, against the Giants. You know, just cut DeAndre Baker. Like this shouldn't be a huge daunting test for Ben Roethlisberger. It did come down Thursday while we were recording. Deontay Johnson did not practice Thursday. So that mm. is a concern. I just, the Steelers receiver core is just a bit unsettled to me. I mean, it's not, it's got a upside in it, but I just, there's this weird vibes around the Steelers receiver core. I, I can't quite figure out how the Steelers like targets totem pole will shake out, but Ben Roethlisberger, a clear QB one this week. And even if he doesn't have like a great real life game, like it's very difficult to see how Ben Roethlisberger uh, does not have a good fantasy game this week. I think that if there's like one rookie who comes out of nowhere and surprises like Terry McLaurin did last year, it might be Chase Claypool. I think is, Chase Claypool could Steelers, go in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Steelers rookie receivers for whatever Juju had a big rookie year, but traditionally have like not like had like been big parts of the offense. So it's just kind of he did. I thought Deontay Johnson had a great rookie season last Mm -hmm. year with what he had considering like a top five rookie wide receiver year. Hayden would tell you all about that hashtag blown coverages. Um, So (laughs) sure, but again, if there is one rookie wide receiver that we're just not expecting to do anything, and then he comes in and lights on fire, my nominee is Chase Claypool. Star him on your waiver wires. Don't pick him up yet. The guy we're going to be starting is James Conner, who I yeah. have inside my top 12. How do you not mention him five minutes into this game matchup? I don't RB10. Right. RB10. I mean, Maybe RB9. Four-point four favorites. He's going to be the featured back. They do not want to be using the other backs on the roster. Big Ben's comfortable with James Conner. He's going to have a, a probably 20-plus touches this game. Game script uh, favors him. A lot here. I'm not sure if the Giants offense is ready for the Steelers defense. New new coach. There's uh, uh, injuries on the offensive line for the Giants. Uh, I'm just not convinced that uh, Jason Garrett's going to be a good enough play caller here. I, I want to be basically starting no Giants player outside of Saquon Barkley. And then you kind of have to start Evan Ingram because you draft him as a top seven tight end. But I'm just basically going to be fading all of these wide receivers on the Giants here. And then on it's going to be Juju. It's going to be James Conner. It's going to be Big Ben. And outside of that, you kind of just forget about this game. Golden Tate also battling a hamstring injury heading into Monday night. So again, even Evan Ingram, I think you can find streaming options. Perhaps Eric Ebron, who we talked about, Josh, to uh, stream over Ingram. It's just not the matchup to play then. Let's close it out with the Tennessee Titans going to the Denver Broncos. Titans, two and a half point road favorites here. We know that the Denver Broncos lost Von Miller earlier this week for the remainder of the season. Hayden, I mean, that shifted the line because it opened at one and a half. It's now up to two and a half on points bet. Hmm. I yes, thought at one point it was a little more. three points. It did? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Titans were dogs. And then oh. Titans became favorites. Holy okay. cow. Okay. I can't believe I missed that. Thank you, Daigle, That's for okay. that. That's quite a shift, Hayden. Is it not for a defensive player missing a game? 
Well, Bradley Chubb also is going to be on a snap count here, apparently. They don't even know if he's going to be playing. So that would be two front seven guys. And basically, they're, they're two primary uh, defenders on the other side of the ball. What time does this game start on the East Coast? Uh, it's like, what, 10 o'clock? I mean, Derrick Henry is going to be Derek Henry is going to be putting you to sleep. It's just going to be carry after carry <laughs> after carry. It's going to be 20, catch, or, uh, 20 carries here for like 100 yards. Maybe we'll get a couple receptions from him. I think this is going to be a huge Derrick Henry game. Um, and then I think on the other side of the ball, the only guy I'm very confident starting right now would be Cortland Sutton. Um, Who I, fell I'm and curious. injured in Thursday's practice, supposedly. Mm-hmm, really? Uh, also happened yeah. while we were on the podcast. So Shoulder injury, apparently. I have to say, I don't understand how the Broncos were ever favorites. I mean, they're playing like the poor man's Ravens, basically. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I found that strange. Uh, all I did week. too. I mean, the we talked about Titans, a red zone touchdown rate, 80% last year, and just running hot and could not run any hot, hotter or due for regression. And they're just running hot to open the year between Vaughn Miller and this Cortland Sutton injury. So everything just looks like it's going against the Broncos in this home opener. Uh, that's why I also, on the waiver wire column, moved the Titans defense up to the top streamer of the week. It just seems like a Derrick Henry game yet again. I couldn't and believe I, how low people were on the Titans defense, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you, Hayden, but like the people needed to be more on the Titans defense this week. I was going to say, this is going to end up turning out to be like a top five, top 10 defensive line this year, especially with the Clowney signing. And the Broncos' offensive line is a disaster. So mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure here. I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to move the ball much. I, I am definitely seconding the uh, Titans' defense call here. Yeah, Garrett Bowles, like leading the league and holding penalties. Then their right tackle opts out, and they're going with, you know, some guy they were expecting to compete for one of the positions. It, it could be a nightmare for. Uh, Drew Locke's opening game here in 2020, but at the same time, depending on the injury to Cortland Sutton, you know, they have Melvin Gordon. They added multiple wide receivers, even though KJ Hamler has been injured this preseason. At, I don't know. I, I, I want to see them fully fit and go out there and be explosive, but it just seems like the Titans are determined to, to make that game script impossible for them to achieve. So I would say there's a potential for the Broncos to have like a top five pick this year. I think that's like well, well within within the range of outcomes by the way josh in this country we say healthy not fit sorry uh pl soccer does return to us on saturday pat can you They're wait coming to the NBC family of networks on september peacock. 8th or 9th. uh yeah peacock one day we'll get there as well all right that is going to do it for us you can go and check out pat's rankings up on the site you can go check out hayden's massive wonderful column the fancy blueprint which is up on the site i'll be back with daigle and the entire crew on Monday morning to discuss every single game, game by game review. And also we have a Sunday show, more news to come later. Go and check out our feeds on that for your start sit questions on Sunday around noon Eastern. So for Hayden Winks, for Patrick Darty, for John Daigle, I'm Josh Norris up the villa. Talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.